There's a hair on my microphone. With a hair on microphone. With a hair on microphone. Microphone. With a hair on microphone. 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 That's a callback. Elon, bro. Joke that nobody else even. Macrophone. Get at me. The first aeon, I was the great spirit. In the second aeon, men knew me as the horned god, pangenitor, panthage. In the third aeon, I was the dark one, the devil. In the fourth aeon, men knew me not, for I am the hidden one. In the fifth aeon, I appear before you as Baphomet, the god before all gods who shall endure to the end of the earth. In this new aeon, I appear to you as C.M.N. Imagine that there is a brilliant white light just above is commentary on the magic art. In the years of the primal form, the door of birth. Oh, that was very educational. Now magic will take place. Don't be fooled by what I just said. Alright. Can we actually start the episode yeah. now, please? <laughs> Alright, welcome everybody. I'm Socialized Medicine Kennedy. And this is Chaos Magic News, the only <laughs> podcast that makes its own gravy. As always, I'm joined by my psychedelic co-host, Alex Gray, but but with an A in, instead of an E. You were right. That is such a bad joke. I don't know why I supported yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like a real tool for making that joke. <laughs> I know the pieces fit. You know, it's it's a shame as someone who very much enjoys Alex Gray as an artist and as a mystical visionary or whatever you want to call him i don't like tool at all i don't dislike them but i i don't care for tool so it's weird that they're joined at the hip that way people that are really into tool are like a certain type of person like they're all they're all just like three hairs too intense for things that don't matter that much they're the kind of homie that like takes their shirt off when someone wants to fight them yeah that's that's incredibly accurate, I think. And it's a tool shirt because it is definitely a tool shirt. <laughs> anyway. All right. How you doing? How you doing this week? You know, it's it's been ups and downs lately, but I'm doing pretty good right now. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, just to get it out of the way, we wanted to talk about changes to the upload schedule. And I know what you're all thinking. What uploads? But that's what we're <laughs> trying to fix. The reality of the situation is that the podcast itself takes up a little more time than we can get away with at the moment. And it's not so much the recording, it's just the editing. Editing is just such a such a huge chunk of my personal time, and it's been detrimental to the other aspects of CMN that we want to actually get out there. Honestly, between running the social media, which isn't super involved, but it does take time out of the day, and then doing the podcast and then trying to make sure all of our ducks are in a row just on that, 
it really does cut into our ability to one find worthwhile things to talk about in the episodes because we're doing all this on top of maintaining our day-to-day lives where we both have full-time jobs and yada yada and magic practices and magic yeah nobody does magic anybody who says they practice they're lying so between our day-to-day lives making making sure that all of the socials are covered and that the podcast is actually getting put out we're just looking at this relatively empty main site where it's like shit we're supposed to have articles right yeah (laughs) said there would be articles and there's things that we actually do want to write and talk about and get up there. And then also finding other interviewer or finding other people to interview, finding worthwhile discussions to have in the occult sphere where at the end of the day, we're, we're two yahoos making a lot of jokes and, and accidentally being insightful if we're lucky and the moon is full. But there are some things that we'd, feel like are worth bringing up to people. And if we want to have time to work on those, some of the yuck yucks have to take a hit. So, right. So this is the last episode of the CMN. No, I'm kidding. Please don't stop. Don't stop. Bro, listeners, listeners, it's done. This internet thing was a fad. Throw your phone into the nearest lake. <laughs> no, but we're going to be moving episode releases to bi-weekly, which will help because then we'll, it will be a regular release schedule. We'll be putting them out probably Wednesdays. We'll update you on that once we, we have that going fully. There'll be something on the site and on the Facebook and probably the Insta. And we're going to have articles being published weekly because the lack of time I spent editing will give me time to actually right thank god yeah and then we're going to be moving all of our interviews to a monthly basis which is good because it's been a couple months since we've had interviews put out but there are also a ton of them just sitting in the file that says to edit so and the god god help we did editing the interviews takes so much more time well and oh yeah you we did get the dkmu article uh the interview but that was a text interview yeah, it was a text. It was all text, but still very good. You should check it out. Yeah, honestly, if you haven't read it, it's probably the best thing we've had on the site yet. When we do get a chance, probably not this episode, but maybe next episode, I kind of want to use that interview as uh, as a springboard to have more discussions about the DKMU and sort of the greater context of it. So... Now's your chance to read it before we start talking about it. And you're like, ah, I I didn't follow any of this. What's this Donkey Kong monkey unit you're talking about? (laughs) The Donkey Kong monkey unit. They're going bananas. Uh, Well, and with that, that's going to be what passes for our intro discussion this week. (laughs) Because we have a lot of news to talk about. Can you believe it, folks? We have actual actual, occult news. Actual occult news that isn't just like, oh, so-and-so doesn't like so-and-so. There's, like, actually, there's things to talk about. Well, I I don't know. Some of it, a little bit of it is uh, so-and-so doesn't like so-and-so, but they have greater implications. To someone else's so as well, though, because we just don't like anyone. Yep, yep. So with that, in the the quickest we've ever gotten to it, what's in the news? What? In 
the news. <laughs> what is in the news? Well, the first thing I have to talk about it because God damn it. Uh, you have all seen it, so we're going to have to talk about it. China lost its balloon. <laughs> Poor old yep. Xi Jinping was just standing over there going like, this is an awesome balloon. And then it slipped. And he's like, no. I hope that doesn't end up anywhere bad. I feel like there's some joke to be made uh, about because Xi Jinping is Winnie the Pooh. And there's the Winnie the Pooh with the balloon. You know, I feel like there's some joke to be made here. That's literally going to um, be the cover of the episode now. It's going to be Xi Jinping with the fucking balloon. perfect. Someone on Twitter drew that already, didn't they? Someone had. We're not that original. Boy, I hope so. Um, I, I want to say the, the way I found out about that was the funniest fucking thing ever in the goddamn world. And it's only funny to oh, me. Oh, yeah. But someone just posted a... It was... um. The song Unmarked Helicopters by Soul Coughing. And he just posted the lyrics, but because and the, the lyrics are um um unmarked helicopters hovering, the Lord is coming soon, unmarked helicopters. They said it was a weather balloon, but it just says, but he, he changed it to they said it was a Chinese balloon. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? So then I just look up Chinese balloon and lo and behold. I get greeted with that. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, I remember just, I woke up to go to work and I saw a message from you at like three in the morning. It was just a screenshot of the headline and then that. I was laughing <laughs> and, like uh, a hysterical madman. I'm sure. Um, as of right now, they shot it down and uh, China's response was, you guys are overreacting. <laughs> Just chill. It's just a balloon. It's just a balloon possibly spying on you. I mean, relax. Um, My favorite thing is how incredible. the U.S. like downplayed it when it first came out. They're like, yes, it is. It is probably a Chinese spy balloon. We don't think it has any really additive. It doesn't have any additive value to spying that their satellites couldn't get. But then like an hour and a half later after I saw that, it was unknown explosion over montana oh yeah that that was a hoax though which was i mean w well played to whoever thought that up because that's like the that's the, the obvious thing of like it, it i just say hey this blew up over montana have everybody freak out and then i drop my link to my clothing shop <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know what will make your world war three go a little better these awesome t-shirts <laughs> Anyway, um, so they did. They shoot shot it down. It down. Yeah, they yeah they shot it down. Uh, on, like a, a couple hours ago, I believe. So now it's kind of fresh. So we don't know what is going to uh, transpire from all this. I personally don't think a lot is really going to come from it, but I could totally be wrong. I imagine it will be a good deal of people. Creating a lot of hubbub, probably a lot of folks saying that, no, this wasn't a spy attempt because if it, basically playing on the idea that like, if this was an attempt at spying, it's really, really incompetent and, and bad. So there's no way that China would have done it. But I'm a firm believer that everyone lives up to his or her level of incompetence. So this could totally be an attempt at spying and it's just really bad. It's, it's almost akin to all of the crazy cold war shenanigans we heard where they were 
trying to figure out how to train dolphins and stuff like that. That's pretty bomb, um, though. I'll take, like, spy dolphins over weather balloons all damn Oh, day. oh, I thought you were making a pun. <laughs> I, I, I do also want to keep making a joke where it's like, anytime the government tells you something is a weather balloon, it's not. <laughs> it's, or, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. It's like, maybe this, maybe this is all an elaborate cover and really they're UFOs. Oh, it's definitely an alien. China's just playing the yeah. game. They're just acting like, oh, well, they, we, if they shoot it down, well, obviously we have to act mad. That way Z-Borg They're... from Planet Klingon doesn't fucking melt our brains. <laughs> now, I haven't seen any updates, but supposedly there's another one of these floating around in South America. Yeah, I heard that too. Which but... just raises further questions. They're just testing out their balloons. That's all it is. There's like, we got this cool spy balloon. They're like, all right, let's see if it works. 99 Chinese balloons <laughs> floating in yeah, the that's... summer sky. <laughs> no, we already sang Tool. We only get one singing moment per episode. Oh, I guess that's all we have to say about the fucking balloon, but that shit's hilarious. I just, we are in the best timeline for ridiculous headlines. Yeah, it's as, f it's as funny as it is confusing, honestly. Like, very clearly, this is already causing an international incident, but I think, by and large, this is just going to flow over. From China, with a spy satellite, with a spy <laughs> camera attached to it. But we'll see. Maybe by the time this episode's out, we'll already be in the midst of ongoing military conflict. Uh, who knows? With, with, hold on, sp specifically with China in this context, all right? <laughs> We're always in ongoing military <laughs> conflict. <laughs> Uh, this is America. <laughs> the empire never ended. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. Keeping it to um, uh, Asian continent news. They eat ice cream and read Harry Potter. But these North Korean YouTubers aren't what they seem. Is this going to North Korea's vested interest in making their country appear like it's not a dystopian hell world? Oh, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Well, like the there's a a pizza restaurant video that was floating around in North Korea where this restaurant is very clearly a front and everything else like that. Then there's like the supermarkets that just seem a little too pristine and set up to give the appearance of no, there's totally food. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it does, yeah, I guess it would, the logical conclusion would be like, North Korean YouTubers, streamers, influencers, yeah. maybe a North Korean occult-based podcast. <laughs> hey, uh, Supreme Leader, we will we'll be your propaganda wing. Just let us, you know, <laughs> just just let us get some of those uh, pristine uh, vegetables you got sitting there, or let's get some you eggs. Have a balloon, yeah. Give <laughs> the CMN spy balloon. We just put it right over fucking, like, just right over Bohemian Grove all day. <laughs> just beam it right into our Golganusa compound. Experts say not all is as it seems in these videos, and that the images contain telltale signs that the lives displayed are far from the norm of, for the impoverished millions under the dictatorship of leader Kim Jong-un. Instead, they suggest Yumi the person they're talking about in this article to start with and others like that and others like are that's 
okay, this is CNN. Look, when we have typos in our articles, that's one thing. This is CNN, though. This thing says, clap. is this grammatically correct? Instead, they suggest union and others like are likely related to high-ranking officials and may be part of a propaganda campaign aimed at rebranding the country's international image as more relatable. I mean, I guess that's right. It just it doesn't look right. It doesn't flow off the tongue very well either. But more importantly, the content of what they're talking about, where they're saying that the the people that are being displayed are likely relatives of well-to-do politicians or military, or that they are actively being propped up to display a lifestyle that is not consistent with the rest of the country. Now, here's my counterpoint, right? And I'm not saying that this isn't propaganda and that this isn't totally what's going on. They're doing this to try to hide the fact that North Korea is a authoritarian muck pit where people are starving and suffering. But you also described YouTubers and streamers everywhere else in the world. Yeah. I mean, you know, who who makes propaganda and who believes it? Everybody and everybody. Yep. And I and I'm not saying it's a concerted effort on the part of the US or Europe or anywhere in the western world to make it look like things aren't so bad in this country, but if you were to go look at our internet personalities, to get a feel for what it was like to live in said countries, you would probably be just as skewed as if you looked at North Korea. Cause yeah, there's that's... like, well, people, people are starving over there and being imprisoned by an overbearing government. And which one are we, who are we talking about? <laughs> you just <laughs> described both of us, yeah. both of us being the U S and North Korea, the U S imprisons the most people per capita. Atlanta is in the midst of riots, large uh, Tennessee is in the midst of riots that have been because of the overwhelming violence that is visited upon certain groups in this country. You know, there's all sorts of, (laughs) we've got, Massive amounts of legislation to restrict the rights of people. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like you can you can say what you want. And I'm not saying that I want to go live in North Korea, but we're talking about the same problems. You're just arguing degrees here. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm it's, talking it's, out of my ass there. Well, but no, my no, point being is the, that the, I think the difference for most people is that. And, you know, it's it's the classic liberal thing of like, oh, well, the government doesn't pay people to do that. So it's not the same as North Korea doing it, which is fair to a point, but it's also the gov- the U.S. government doesn't have to pay people to do that. Not that the government hasn't been actively involved in influencing and shaping culture. You know, go look at the freaking CIA involvement in various critical uh, philosophical circles and modern art. Oh yeah. This, yeah. These are real things. This this the- Well, and then in a country where the ruling force is capital, those that have capital could be argued as 
just as uh they're just as complicit in the shaping of government policy and ultimately the factors that control human life in this country as the high-ranking officials in North Korea. Right. There you go. Well, oh, well, the government isn't doing it. It's like, yeah, but in America, large corporate interests, you know, if, 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 the, if Kraft wanted to make something happen. I mean, they, they did it. Is, <laughs> yeah. Kellogg's it literally changed the way we view breakfast because they paid Edward Bernays to do it. I think it was Kellogg. It was, you know, yep. it was the food companies that started telling, you know, he's like, all right, we, we, you know, hey, Mr. Bernays, we need to sell more eggs and bacon and sugary cereals. How do we do it? Oh, well, let uh, me get my fucking cameras mm-hmm. going. Or the, or the equating of uh, tobacco use with feminism and the, the suffragette movements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, hey, ladies, you know, it'll, you know what's really going to help your cause? Buying our product. We talk about and rainbow that, capitalism and, all the time during Pride Month. You know, I, I keep making the joke. It'll happen eventually. You're going to get the Pride Month Chick-fil-A sandwich. And people will buy that ooh, shit. Ooh, they will. They'll, yeah. They'll fall they'll over it, themselves take, to buy it. They'll, they'll post TikToks of saying, trying the rainbow Chick-fil-A sandwich. Happy Pride Month. Hashtag blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't, I don't mean this to be overly cynical about the whole thing, but it's a pretty fucking cynical issue, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Wow. We have, we, we ran with that headline. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That wasn't even the big one. We talked about the mm. balloon for like five minutes. Uh, you know what? I will say one thing about the balloon. Um, could you imagine if it was reversed and it was like America sent a balloon over to uh like and it was just floating right past uh the beige like beijing or something like that oh yeah we'd be a fucking like because it wouldn't it would be bad but mostly we would just look like a fucking laughing stock <laughs> yeah yeah and maybe maybe that's what would... china's mad about <laughs> <laughs> i guess so like we look do you realize how fucking stupid we look all right let's move on to uh Japanese prime minister fires aid over anti-LGBTQ remarks. Bro, I heard Japanese prime minister in fire, and I was like, not again. (laughs) (laughs) Doc, Mr. Shinzo. (laughs) (laughs) God. Oh, Oh, man. This time, the guy did it with only one battery pack. (laughs) Ah. God, I really hope you're doing well, Japanese MacGyver. Let's see. The Japanese, the Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida has sacked an aide who said he would not want to live next to LGBTQ couples and that people would flee Japan if same-sex marriage was permitted. I think you drastically underestimate how ethnocentric the Japanese people are. They're not going anywhere. What are you talking about? Saying that like, oh, like, you know, it'll, you know, America would never use that argument because they know that like people will like active, you know, people with hardcore ideological things will like freak the fuck out, but they know they're not going to do anything. They wouldn't even like pretend Mm -hmm. that people would like fucking leave the state they live in because fucking same sex marriage got legalized. I mean, 
They probably did back in the day, honestly. But mm, everyone knows most, well, the, the issue. The, the like, what did you mean by people will flee the country? Most people, even in Japan, which I imagine they have a, they have a. I think they probably have a much better standard of living overall than America. Oh yeah. But but the bottom line is that most people. And we're just using American as an example, but like America is the really easy one because they always talk about like, oh, you hate America so much. Why don't you move? Most people can't fucking afford to uproot their entire life and go to another fucking country. Yeah, let alone another state in America. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people would have a hard time moving two states over. It, that always goes back to that, that sort of thing that we talk about with the, the struggle of states' rights because it's like, Oh, well, if you don't like it, you can go move to a state. And it's like, well, you're ignoring the you're ignoring the material conditions that leave people locked in incredibly shitty situations. Yeah. It's like abortion. You can't just you can't go on a fucking cross country road trip to get an abortion. Most people can't fucking afford that. Some people can't even some people don't even have that as a as a as an option. Well, I mean, it was always like that with abortion. It was it was literally always that the wealthy had no problem getting abortion. Because they could just go to, yeah. they could literally cross the border somewhere and go get an abortion, safe and legal. And then that always goes into the rules for thee, not for me, you know, that sort of shit. That's nothing new either. Nope. But I, I think that's the, that's a conversation that I think you really have a lot when we talk about the ideas of states' rights versus the federal. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like, a, that's a very, by and large, I feel like that's a very American problem, you know, because like England, France... Uh, Poland, you know, they, they just, you're not that big where you're going to have these huge legal divisions between different parts of your country because there's just not that much to go around. But, like, America is unique in that idea of uh, you drive 12 hours and there's a whole different set of laws even though you're still in the same country. And don't get me started on insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually, I saw a meme like that the other day. It was like, uh, drive, um, it, it showed the American flag and it was like, drive 12 hours, still in the same country. And it was like, drive, and then it was like England. I think it said, drive two hours and everyone's got a different accent and a different name for red rolls. And I just looked at that for a minute and I thought, that's not that different. The first time I heard <laughs> pop, I was shocked. I had no clue what the fuck they were talking about. <laughs> Or, or the, the, and then you get the very weird pockets where it's like, if, if somebody calls sprinkles, Jimmy's, we're just having an, we're having a physical altercation. You're going to, you're, I'm taking you to North Korea. You want some hands? (laughs) Okay. Um, Oh boy. Singapore. Interesting. Singapore man sues woman for just wanting to be friends, not partners. This wouldn't happen in Singer Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Claimant seeks $3 million in damages to cover financial losses as well as rehabilitation and therapy to overcome trauma. <laughs> I'm just imagining the Tiger King meme of like take a girl out on one date. I'm never gonna financially recover from this. <laughs> oh, the trauma he endured by being told, I I just think you're like a friend. Mm. Well, you know, the body keeps the score. That's my trauma joke. <laughs> 
wow. The guy's trying to work on getting the trauma out of his blue balls. (laughs) (laughs) While the defendant had hoped that the counseling sessions would help the claimant come to terms with her decision to not pursue a romantic relationship with him, this was not the result. Faced with repeated requests and demands for more frequent meetings and deeper conversations, the defendant decided in May 2022 to cease all contact with the claimant. Oh, so this this poor woman humored this individual for far too long and they were using it as a means to get like like somehow I was you were going to like therapy your way into the relationship where she said no and it's like well let's let's just keep talking it's like when dudes go like I really like you can we go out and they're like no but why like you know it's that sort of thing this is what being nice gets ta- you, folks. Like, don't, don't tell the, when that motherfucker, you're like, I just think you're a friend. And then he was like freaking out. And so I'm like, oh, no, I just, I really like you. It just, it hurts knowing that you don't want to be with me. That's when you immediately go like, all right, I'm getting a restraining order. This is just going That's into when you a go, bad I lied places. about. I lied about the first part. I don't want to be your fucking friend anymore. <laughs> Get the fuck on. What would have been the magical solution to this? Uh, the good magic of a punch to the nose. You know, actually, I, I saw a thing on, I think it was Facebook, where somebody was asking something to the effect of asking for magical assistance of, like, how do I use magic to give, like, fuck off, leave me alone energy? And my only thought was, like, look them dead in the eye and say, you're a fucking piece of garbage and, like, leave me the fuck alone. And if they don't get the message, you know, pop them one. Wear a really big spiky leather jacket and smoke cigarettes yeah. indoors. Stop bathing for just a couple days. That way you smell so bad that they don't want to go near you. Get a copy of Ayn Rand and anytime someone talks to you, open it and thoughtfully look at a page and say, I don't know, something about victimhood mentality. I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't, I try to forget Ayn Rand exists. Only in situations Actually, like this you where know I'm what? like, let's get you to run away. Oh, believe me, I like I want to take as many shots at Ayn Rand and objectivism as we possibly can in the next, you know, 30 seconds. But the fact is, you could do that with any book and it would probably come off just as annoying and abrasive. (laughs) I mean, I know plenty of people that do that with what you're describing. They do that with like Harry Potter, essentially. Oh, Harry Potter would work just as well as Ayn Rand for me. Oh, God. I mean, but if, if some, if, you know, let's, let's, let's dog, uh, let's dog the other end of the spectrum out. If somebody pulled out a copy of Mein Kampf every time you had something to say, or if, uh, or <laughs> you wouldn't even get to pulling it out. I'd see that shit and I'd be like, nope. And smack it out your hand to keep walking. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, what would be not- like the, oh, oh, you know, no, actually, no, here's, here's be the, here's the left, right spectrum. Uh, if somebody pulled out Das Kapital and had something to say about it every time you brought something up, it'd be like, you annoying motherfucker. Will you, st-, you know, first off, yeah, you I don't know how it. to read that book. Second off, you, you suck. Know, I don't like being, ex- I don't like my labor being exploited either, but fuck. I'm, I'm trying to get on the bus. I just, I just asked if you wanted coleslaw. <laughs> hmm. Let me talk to you about surplus value extraction, sir. This is a Wendy's. Or even like you know again non uh, non political. I mean, <laughs> what if somebody put out pulled out every time you tried to talk to them, they pulled out a copy of One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. If I'm at a Red Lobster, that would be appropriate though. <sighs> if I never go to a Red Lobster again, 
it'll be too soon. Scientist who edited baby's genes said he acted too quickly. Wait, wait, wait. The scientist said they, that he acted too quickly, as in I should not have done that so fast. Yeah, I guess so. Not, not that he tampered with this baby's genetics and gave him, like, speedster powers, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, this is about... You remember this? It happened back in 2018. The 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 baby that they cured of uh of HIV? No, it was um Oh. Yeah, world's first edited babies created in China, claimed scientist. Unconfirmed scientist. Oh, 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 I think I remember this then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but here's what I didn't know about that. Hei Jianku sent shockwaves across the world of science when he announced in 2018 that he had edited the genes of twin girls Lulu and Nana before birth. He was subsequently sacked from his university in Shenzhen, received a three-year prison sentence, and was broadly condemned for having gone ahead with the risky, ethically contentious, and medically unjustified procedure with inadequate consent from the families involved. So, whoa, I didn't realize that he just did it and was like, hey, guess what? You have designer babies now. The accelerationist part of me wants to be like if if this is the road we're going to go down we need to acknowledge that there's never going to be the appropriate time to edit the human genetic sequence of living people yeah but you should at least like ask the parents consent a little bit you should you don't just go in there and be like all right let's just get you you know we're, we're gonna get your ultrasound going it'll be all right and you might feel a little bit of a was, prick here. I don't here. think he was like, no, 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 no. I don't believe. Well, I, you know, if that's if he just did it without any sort of uh, consent, then that's pretty wild. But I, I find it hard to believe that he was just like, all right, yeah, uh, let me let's let's go ahead take a look. All right, you're you're in you're, you're going towards your first trimester. Oh my god, what's that over there? And then like he gen- he fucking injected them with something. I don't know. <laughs> Hits them with the DNA scrambler. Just shoots up just aiming a laser up her skirt while she's standing there. It's like, "Oh, don't pay attention to that." <laughs> Speaking to the Guardian in one of his first interviews since his public reemergence last year, he said, "I've been thinking about what I've done in the past for a long time." To summarize it up in one sentence, I did it too quickly. However, he stopped short of expressing regret or apologizing, saying, I need more time to think about that. And that's a complicated question. That is like the exact thing you don't say in that situation. Leave Dr. Frankenstein alone, all right? (laughs) The man, look, the man had something he wanted to make happen, and he went for it. He said, nothing is true, everything is permitted. And he made him some designer babies. Yeah, okay. I'm not, again, no, I'm not condoning what he did. I'm just saying that the single-mindedness of a man with a goal, you're never going to get him to admit that, like, he did something wrong. Oh, what I did was wrong. Right, yeah. He did it for the, he did that for the, in his mind at least, he did that for the future of humanity. yeah. Yeah, and admittedly, it's not like he Do did I, anything. Well, I mean, I guess we don't know. The babies it was only aren't like dead. Fucking... They don't have to, They don't have two heads. Like they're, they're. I guarantee you, they're all but fine. It's just the the weird dreams that they have <laughs> of non non Euclidean <laughs> geometry beyond the veil. Well, Nana's doing great, but Lulu every now and then. She does this thing where she just stares into the mirror and says, I know who you are over and over again. 
<laughs> yeah. And again, this is not it, it. Honestly, it isn't my place to say whether or not what he did was wrong. I don't know the full details of the situation, but I guarantee you in his mind, he was doing that. He was doing it for science. He, he was, was doing, doing it, it for, for humanity. Yeah. All that crap. He was doing it for the betterment of the entire human species Ugh. to try to ensure our survival in the insurmountable cosmic ordeals that are facing us. And you're never going to like the, the fact that he went to prison was probably a small fucking price to pay in his mind, at least. Yeah. All right. You ready for your parrot headline before we go on to actual occult? Gattaca. News? Gattaca. <laughs> you're ready for the parrot headline? Yeah. Give me the parrot with an earpiece headline. Portuguese poots crowned world's oldest dog. No. He's such a good who's boy. A, oh, oh, who's an old boy? Oh, well, 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 good bozers. Let me see this dog. I need to see them. I will send you the photo, but 30-year-old Bobby right now. snatched the uh, title from an American Is dog. The, what? What's their name? Bobby. B-O-B-I. Bobby? Oh, Bobby. That's a great name for a dog. Yeah, look at him. He's, he's a cute little old man. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, my God. Hold on. Baby, baby, come look at this. It's the world's oldest dog. We are, but, like, you got to see the world's oldest dog. His name's Bobby. Bobby. He's, a, he's Portuguese. A Portuguese dog named Bobby. Look at him. He's 30 years old. That's an old, that's an old dog. I love him. The longevity was credited to human food and a calm, peaceful environment. That is the, the exact same shit I always hear. It's always, it's always that. It's like when you hear about the, uh, the oldest man living in the Bronx who's like 107 or something, and you're like, oh, what do you eat? Like, oh, well, I just have a lot of like canned soups and milk. And I smoke uh, at least three cigars a day. And I just chill. I play chess and I hang out. Yeah, I think we're going to find out. Actually, oh, there was a Woody Allen movie where he slept he with his stepdaughter. Oh, you, <laughs> I thought you knew it. And then you said with his stepdaughter. And I was like, damn it. No, no. <laughs> God. No, it's um, it's a it's a Rip Van Winkle type thing where uh, Woody Allen sleeps and wakes up in the far future, and they're doing things like giving him chocolate sundays and everything like that because they found out that everything that was bad for you is actually good for you. And there's a scene where he's he and Woody Allen's like a health nut in this. So the doctor is like smoking a cigarette and it's like, man, you need to relax. Come here, take this. He's like, no, 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 I don't smoke. He's like, it's tobacco. It's one of the healthiest things you can put in your body. <laughs> and it's like, we're just going to, we're going to find out that essentially like just a life of, of splendid indulgence is going to be like the best thing that you can do to yourself because as long, it's going to be found out like that. The sh like stress and drudgery will kill you quicker than like shooting heroin into yourself. It's going to be like that thing, you know, it, it'll go from being like, um, you know, you know, it takes more muscles to frown than to smile to be like frowning is detrimental to your health. If you care about your family, Absolutely. smile. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> Find the but joy. Then you'll say it. You go to the doctor and he's like, I, I, I'm sorry, man. I just, I don't know what, to, I, I, your, your heart's, your blood pressure's just through the roof. You're, you got macular degeneration. It's like, what? Did you not like the new Disney movie? <clears throat> oh, dude, that is actually some That's actually kind of, shit. Some, that is, that is some dystopian shit right there. Mm-hmm. See, you're thinking all the good mm-hmm. stuff. I'm just thinking of like, how do we fucking manufacture happiness to keep people alive? Which is kind of what we do now. We'll just we'll just all have an electro jammed into part of our brain that forces your brain to make serotonin. All right, and I guess with that we'll get on to the actual occult news for the week because we actually have a good bit of it. Yeah, yeah. There's some notable stories right now. Where do we want to start? Oh, can we start with the Jimmy Page Playhouse? Let's start with the Jimmy Page Playhouse. The long and short of it is that Boleskine House, where <clears throat> uh, there's there's this occultist that, like, I don't know, he's he's a little obscure. Not a lot of people know about him. His name is Aleister Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> he lived in Boleskine House at Loch Ness, where he performed a series of conjurations. And, yeah, he, uh, he, if I he did the Abermelon. Abermelon, yeah, and he failed to complete it. I I know he completed it later, but I he believe at yeah, the he actually he, he failed finish to finish it, which is part of why they say Boleskine is haunted. Ooh, the Loch Ness monster is really a demon. The house was it. The house shifted hands a couple times. Jimmy Page notably bought it and uh, did magic in it. Did, yeah, supposedly did magic in it. I don't know for a fact. I honestly don't know that much about Jimmy Page's occultism. Rocker with some eccentric tastes. Um, someone, someone who was a friend of his claimed that he was into occultism before he was, like, even that big into music, which is interesting. I don't know how true it is, but... Oh, wait, is the, the implication that uh, their success could be chalked up to their occult doings? Yeah, that's what I've heard, at least. I don't, again, I, no clue how true it is. Yeah, it works for Giant, man. I know after Paige, it shifted to a couple different people. Eventually, it fell back into the hands of Thelemites, who decided that it was worth, because, because of its historical association with their great profit, that it should be in the hands of Thelemites. Well, that's what they told everybody, at least. The people who were actually involved with it are Keith Reddy, who is only notable, really, for a book called One Truth and One Spirit, Aleister Crowley's Spiritual Legacy. And if you haven't read that book, it is essentially a revisionist history of Thelema. I'm not going to call it anything short of that. It's trying to make the argument that the AA and the OTO, the huge bodies, or not so huge bodies, admittedly, but the bodies that Crowley set up in relation to his work of trying to make the Lama thing, it's trying to present them as if they were one big cohesive thing with a very clear lineage and ability to say who is legitimate and who isn't. And if you know anything about the storied history of Thelema and the OTO and the AA, that is anything 
but true. God, you yeah. could fucking honestly, you there are about as many AA lineages as there are fucking people on the internet. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no singular order, and the OTO has had its own ridiculous legal battles. I mean, people don't even like talking about the fact that that Theodore Royce, the head of the OTO, who Crowley replaced after his death had some reservations about Crowley himself. I mean, who wouldn't have some reservations about Crowley? Yeah, yeah, it's um it's it's kind of a clusterfuck. And then there's all sorts of stuff about how there was never a single point where the AA had a full body as it were, like all the necessary members to be able to call it an unbroken chain. It's 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 a weird little thing. I'm not I won't go into the full specifics of it cuz you can spend hours just talking about this ridiculous stuff. The point being that Mr. Reddy wrote this book. Mr. Reddy is associated with William Breeze, who is the current head of the OTO. Breeze is associated with another character named J. Daniel Gunther, who is fucking ugh. That's who I was waiting on. Yeah, yeah. The Old long and- Gunthy. Uh, the long the and gun. short of it is that Gunther was a guy who in the 70s started the AA again, thinking that it had ceased to exist and then found out wrong. And he had a huge falling out <laughs> with the person who ended up actually being one of the few remaining AA people, Marcella Mota, who is a fucking peach of a human being. You should check out his ridiculous, crazy shit. Carl Germer has all sorts oh, of great Mota. stuff to say about him. Carl Germer being the person who seceded uh, Crowley after his death as the head of the OTO. It's it's a huge clusterfuck. The big point being that a certain group of these people who went out of their way to make it look like it wasn't them begged for money from all these people so they could buy Boleskin under the idea that it was too big of a point of their heritage for you know for, for it to fall into disrepair and be torn down or owned by anyone else and it was all sort of you know like oh it's going to be made a historical thing we're gonna you know it's going to be open to all thelemites who want to see it all that kind of crap and the big bit of news we got i think like a week or two ago is essentially they just started building little condos on it or at least it's getting zoned for them to build condos on it yeah there was an application that was put in for six houses right next to the actual main building so not only like and that's the problem when you hear oh they're building more houses next to the the large historical property which and the other thing is that it already burnt down like yeah, because Christian radicals think Aleister Crowley is not that good of a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is like fine. It's like it already got burnt down, so like the the original Boleskin is not really there anymore. You know, it, my understanding is that it's not even put back together. It's still like a burnt out husk. the The point being is that there's not a lot of good answers for why you're going to be building houses next to what is essentially for lack of a better word, a religious temple. It's either you're going to have some sort of scummy real estate scheme of like trying to sell some houses and jack up the rates because it's next to this 
thing, which like, I don't know, maybe you're going to get some rich stalemites, which seems a little weird. Maybe well, there's no, they be, had like, to beg money weird... to buy it. So fuck them. Yeah. They're just going to move in <laughs> and hang out there. Yeah. There's the idea that they're, that this is going to become like a thalemic spiritual compound, which is concerning given the particular type of thalemites that these people are. Lon Milo, they are not. So that would also be, that's also very concerning. Somebody floated the idea that it's like, well, maybe there's going to be like some weird Airbnb type shit where they're going to like rent, they're going to rent it out to the spiritual seekers. Like, oh yeah, we're right by the place where Crowley summoned all those demons. We're going to go into there at night with a Ouija board. But either way, it's like there, there's clearly some sort of money-making thing going on on the back end of this. This gets to the other point I'm going to make. The current manifestation of occultism, what are the metrics of success that you get to be like the biggest grifter? You know? <laughs> like Gunther and Gunther and Keith Reddy and the rest of them are are clearly doing like they're 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 quote unquote good occultists because like look, they can convince a bunch of fucking idiots who probably most of them probably don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of to send them fucking money to buy the Jimmy Page Playhouse so that they can all build fucking houses and make money off of it or worse yet, like just just start living there for, you know, off, off of the backs of a bunch of people that they've convinced they had some sort of magical or spiritual pedigree to fall back on where it's like yeah we're you should really support what we're doing because really we're doing it for you and it's like what it's just yeah the, it's just it's, uh, i don't know man it's bad news it's bad like not just on like the grounds of what they're doing which i find like you know they're you've convinced a bunch of idiots that you're furthering a cause by essentially buying a little a little little uh like a vacation home yeah and now it's like seriously like a vacation home. you're literally building you're building summer homes on the shore so you you tricked a bunch of yahoos into thinking that you were doing something for the good of everyone when really it was for you it's it's just it's a cult community 101 at this point yeah we don't <laughs> know anything like about do people doing that sort of thing do we yeah i mean like and I understand that once again, this is shut up and listen to my podcast, but like I can genuinely say I don't have a vested interest in telling anybody anything to, to fleece their hard earned money out of them. I don't make any claim of any degrees or special information. I'm not having phone calls with the grand poobah or the secret chiefs. You know, I I'm, I'm just a jackass with opinions. Listeners. All of you will be part owners in the new CMN Arctic Circle compound. Your, your donation of $25 or more will get you a, 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 a window room to look down into the hole in the Arctic Circle to, that leads into the hollow earth. Okay, forget what I was talking about. Yeah, listeners, this is a great idea. I'm telling you the earth is hollow inside. There are mole men. There's mole men, and mole there's giant and mole and mole non-binaries. Oh. 
But genuinely, I just I, I think it's a it's a very sad state of affairs that who can you look to as the the shining successes of the occult community? And I'll put that in quotes because I don't think there's much of you know, community implies a sense of fellowship and togetherness. The the subculture of occultism, you want to look and see who's really making moves. Just look to look to see who's fleecing the most money out of people because that's all we've got at this point yeah that's it that's all we've got magic has become a grift for a lot a lot of grifters yeah and and the the worst part is like grift not as in like people that are necessarily like i'm selling the idea of magic to idiots who believe in magic because there's plenty of that too but there's people that genuinely believe in magic and believe in these spiritual teachings and ancient wisdom and knowledge and conversation of the your holy guardian angel or whatever the fuck but they've somehow convinced themselves that proper use of all this esoteric knowledge is to grift money out of folks yep it's a sad sad world that's why you keep your head down and do the work and only interact with people on a podcast (laughs) yeah i mean but that is that is really the the only answer i've come to is that Mostly, you should shut up, do your work, and if you're lucky, you'll find a couple people that you can actually stand or trust enough to let in on your work, and you do what you can. But the minute that large groups and gatherings and cults of personality start forming, things like this happen. It, w- it really was one thing when they just had a burnt out shack on a a sandy beach and they were sending people. One of the things they were like, if you donate some money, we'll send you part of the burnt out husk of this building. And they'd send you like, just like a burnt hunk of wood and rock (laughs) for whatever reason. Um, It was one thing there, but like, this is kind of just proof of like, this was the long game the whole time. They, this is what they wanted to do from the start. They just probably hadn't stolen enough from people. Well, to wash the terrible taste of that out of my mouth, let's talk about people being imprisoned unlawfully. Yeah. You all know it. I think to start with what I want to say is that Damien Eccles is, uh, one of the most interesting figures in occultism for me, not because of anything they've written or said, just because they are a strange, strange example of what happens when you do this stuff right. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. For those of you that don't know about the West Memphis Three, it was a huge, huge fucking murder trial back in... 93. Yep. And there were three three boys, all fairly young at the time. Damien Eccles, Jesse Miskelly, and Jason Baldwin. 16 and 17. Yep. And they were all convicted of the murder of three boys in uh, West Memphis, Arkansas. Damien Eccles was sentenced to death. Miskelly was given life imprisonments plus two 20-year sentences, and Jason Baldwin was given life imprisonment. The trial involved the prosecution asserting that the juveniles killed them as part of a satanic ritual. And it was in 2011, after years of activism on multiple people's part, evidence of um, 
improper procedure and then new DNA evidence emerging. And of course, Mr. Eccles himself doing occult working while in prison. They were all allowed to give Alfred pleas. Um, an Alfred an Alfred plea is basically when you you plead guilty not because you admit that you actually did it, but essentially that the, the, the evidence and the case that they've made. You. Yeah, is that the I? You know, I didn't do it, but. I can see why y'all have think enough I would. to say. I <laughs> I can see why you think I would might I might have done it. They made a very good case. I was but almost yeah. convinced for a second um, myself. <laughs> yeah, but Mr. Eccles has written a couple books about his experience with this horrible murder accusation. Always maintained his innocence. I believe all three of them have just flat out said, "Yeah, we didn't do this," and no one's ever gone back on it as far as I know, but then he's also written a couple books on magic and talked about the type of occult rituals and workings that he did while in prison to get the fuck out of prison. (laughs) You got to give it to him, man. I mean, you got sentenced to death and granted there's always the argument of like, Oh, well he didn't do it. So of course he got out. But I mean, there's history. There's plenty of people that have got killed for not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sure if you asked him, he's he's pretty sure that the uh, the magic is probably what got him going. Which you know that's it's 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 a very interesting thing. I don't think Mr. Eccles has anything particularly groundbreaking as far as like magical theory or anything, but but he shows he you definitely. What, I mean, you know that's 18 years of his life and it's a tragedy, but he did get out. He's not he's not fucking dead. Yeah, yeah, he's not dead. So the the thing that's newsworthy here is Mr. Eccles placed an appeal with the uh, Arkansas Supreme Court to test DNA for the uh, case. And they, uh, it was refused and now he's appealing it to the Supreme Court. And as of January 25th, the state of Arkansas asked for 21 more days to respond to the appeal. And let's see, what's 21 days from January 5th or uh, 25th? That's coming up, right? We're almost at a crunch time. 20, another, you said another 21 days from the 25th? Yeah. They've still got a couple weeks, but it's coming up. The other, the other notable thing is that this has been going on for years. Three decades. Mr. Eccles and actually the the entire West Memphis three and and at this point their incredibly dedicated legal team <laughs> have been doing everything in their power to try to get these three exonerated. And I think it, like this is my conspiratorial end of it, right? I think the state of Arkansas knows full well that they fucked up and they just don't want to admit they don't want to admit that they fucked up or exonerate these men because it will open them up to a tremendous, uh, you know, just a, a, a lawsuit, basically. They'll, yeah, and it will, and it will be, open the you, floodgates, you'll too. Have to, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll open the floodgates for all the shit that was probably going on at that time. But also, like, you took <laughs> collectively 18 years from three young men and you're like you're gonna have to pay some kind of restitution for that. And the problem is, is that the minute they go, all right, yeah, I didn't do it. We fucked up. 
it's it's over. You're gonna have to give them something. As always, it's people covering their ass. Yeah, and now that they have such a massive, because and and I'm not saying that, you know, that there's a very real possibility that a lot of the people that are representing them at this point aren't doing so out of the 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 goodness of their heart. They're doing it because they know there is a huge payout on the other end of that line. <laughs> right, but and but they've also had overwhelming cultural support. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not saying it's... I, I wasn't saying it's just that, but I'm saying that there is a lot of motivating factors on both ends to keep things going in the direction that they're going. The legal team of the West Memphis Three really wants to prove that they... They really want to get an overturn of the conviction so that they can start going for the thing that's going to make some money. And then the state really doesn't want to have to give any money. Yeah. That's just my, that's, that's my conspiracy on the whole thing. That's why I think things are the way they are right now. In the first couple episodes, when we talked about satanic panic and how that there were still people whose, there were people whose lives were ruined by that sort of thing. This is exactly what yeah, we're talking about. And the thing to be the thing to be mindful of here more than anything is that it hasn't gone away. It has not gone no, away. No, it it's hasn't. still here. Every time you see some wackadoo on the internet talking about fucking QAnon still or fucking Jeffrey Epstein's pedophile cult island. The the weird statue that they put on top of the financial building. Yeah, it's not it's it's still here. It's and the thing that I think a that gets me more than anything is a lot of these are people that are into the occult and have that sort of thing. And they, they come up with these theories thinking like that it's, I don't know, some sort of validation of the reality of the occult when more than anything, you're fucking playing yourself. You're, you're, you're an occultist. You don't think they're going to go look at your fucking bookshelf and think like, Oh, well fucking, he's probably one of the good ones. It could just as easily happen to you. Yeah, it absolutely could. And if this stuff were to take root again, even if they weren't throwing you in prison, like it's it's already hard enough being an open spooky woo-woo just because people look at you like you're a weirdo. And a lot of times, you know, I, I don't really care if people think I'm a weirdo, but there is the sort of unspoken impact that it might have, where maybe they're not telling you to your face that you're being treated a certain way or looked at a certain way because of your beliefs. But I'll use the South for an example, right? If, if any of you have ever lived in an area where one of the first questions they ask you is like, well, what church do you go to? And then your answer is like, oh, I don't know about that, but I got this altar <laughs> in my house. <laughs> there's a certain level of societal pressure you might start feeling on you. At the very least, the societal pressure to not talk about this stuff too loudly before someone gets the wrong idea. And I don't mean to make this into a huge, like, oh, where it's actually, you know, being an occultist it makes you an oppressed class or anything. But it, it is, there is the reality of, like, when certain amounts of scared and stupid people can get in a tizzy about things, it can be kind of unsafe to say things that they don't understand or scare them. If this stuff really did take root again, I think you'd be surprised at how difficult a lot of things that you took for granted would become. I'll put it that way. Yeah. 
That's a good way to put it. When you go from being an eccentric weirdo to someone who has to actively hide certain ideas and opinions you have because there are some would-be inquisitors who would really like to get you jammed up on some stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Or even just some cops that don't have any good leads. Yeah. And a nice little story to tell. Yeah, you make a convenient scapegoat because, shit, who who owns that many swords if they're not trying to... (laughs) Commit satanic sacrifices. All right. Well, that's your news for the week. I guess now we get to move on to our culture piece. Who doesn't love some culture? Like in like in yogurt? No, like in the the lab of that guy who edited those kids. (laughs) It was for the good of humanity. I love I keep saying that like and then I'm I'm going like, oh, I don't really have a dog in this fight. I can't say, but then I'm also like, it was for all of us. So we have two things oh, we're going to talk on. about. Can I, well, hold on. Before that, I've got two things. One, uh, what was the shit that Alexander Dugan was talking about where he was like, oh, uh, first is, is it's trans. It's, it's like it's trans something, then it's transgender. Next is transhuman. Or it was like transgender, then trans something, then transhuman. What was the third trans? I don't remember. I, I don't even remember. I just you remember know what I'm looking about. at that. Like, yeah, oh, I trans, do. I remember the video. Trans the, person, the cyborg. Then, it, then the next step is on cyborg. <laughs> Look, I don't want to say Alexander Dugan is right about anything, but I just know a lot of um, wonderful trans people that are super into robots. He's cyborg. It's it's just one of those like oh you're you're saying this like it's a bad thing. Oh boy, actually maybe it's appropriate that I bring up Dugan because uh, I mean that's exact. I thought you were doing it on yeah. purpose because he's incredibly important to our culture piece here. No, that wasn't actually on purpose. I was just remembering a funny yeah. Dugan thing. Yeah. Um. So he is appropriate. Um. This is an article back from March of twenty twenty two. And the only reason we're talking about it is because someone shared it and I looked at it not realizing what it was. Got a little heated, so we're, I'm just going to talk about it. This is by Alos... No. Take two. This is by Aleph... Bleh. Take three. This was originally published by Aleph... Sco- Ali Stankonia. <laughs> Aleph... Aleph Scotin... Scotenos? This is originally published by Al by I keep trying to say Alice. This was originally published by Olive uh, Skotinos. I'm mispronouncing it. Who cares? It's called Chaos Nihilism with pronouncing names. I know, and it's like I. That's the problem. I know that's. I know what the fucking. I know what that is. <laughs> I know what that means. It's just. A, it's just a Greek word, and it's just like I can't say it. I can't say anything. Ugh. I'm such a fucking moron. I'm fake occultist. Anyway, this was posted on their blog. How hard is it? How hard is it to say outcast Stankonia? <laughs> the best part is I'm going to have all the clips just going like take two, take three over and over again. <laughs> Love it. It's called chaos nihilism in the way of no surrender. And it, it talks about a lot of things. It's mostly about, the appropriation of the chaos star 
by fascist. More specifically, by the Eurasianist movement by the previously mentioned Alexander Dugan, who I'm sure everyone knows now because people care about Vladimir Putin. He's been around for fucking ever. And people only started giving a shit about him because Putin, like, invaded Ukraine. He's always been a dangerous, crazy person. He's always been a stinky Rasputin. But it really starts because his book, The the Fourth Way, right? The Fourth Political Theory. Uses the Fourth Political... Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Because I was about to give him shit, too, where it's like, I think I'm honestly more mad about The Fourth Way because he stole that from Gurdjieff, but I just <laughs> misremembered it. <laughs> no, I mean, and if you guys don't know anything about Alexander Dugan other than he's like Putin's right-hand man, which isn't true, by the way, just being 100% honest with you, it's not. Alexander Dugan does have a lot of pull in the um, Russian intelligentsia, as it were, but he's not nearly as influential as people think he is, mostly because he kind of came to prominence at first by being like incredibly anti-communist. And then he was like a national, he, he invented national Bolshevism, which is just rebranding of Strasserism. It's just, you know, nationalist policies. And he's written some really interesting work on Heidegger and Greek thought that's kind of interesting, but he uses it to justify just being a fascist, essentially. So it's take take of that what you will. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that because of the type of audience that we get, I don't feel bad saying this, but I think he's worth looking into because of the type of people that listen to this. And what I mean by that is that you, if you are a chaos magic person, you understand how to look at an idea and not become it. Yeah, he's... I wouldn't recommend any, I wouldn't recommend just anybody read it because the fact is you might read it and it might give you a lot of bad ideas that infect you. Yeah, you but, might be taken in by this sort of thinking. You can yeah. read, you, our, our listeners are very intelligent people. You can read this and evaluate it critically and see what's actually going on here. You can get beyond the florid language and all of that bullshit that gives you this sort yeah. of idea of like, I don't know, he's, he's very big on the sacred and tradition and an understanding of man that's uh, yeah i mean it's like i said it's it's all stuff that it's all stuff that is has philosophical interest to it but at the end of the day it's being used to justify very real and terrifying things by a lot of people but i think it can be useful to understand the logic of how they got there a lot of the times people particularly if we're talking about hyper-nationalist or any sort of ideology that is predicated on a, we need to force everyone to fall in line with us for the good of the collective. There is often this idea of this was where, this is the conclusion that we drew and we are now going to work backwards from that conclusion to come up with an intellectual justification. I don't think that's what Dugan is doing. I think Dugan 100% worked through these problems 
to figure out what he thinks the solution is. He's still wrong. Yeah. In my opinion. It's still He's awful. still wrong. But you should look at these you should look at these issues because he identifies some real problems in the ideas of modernity, for lack of a better word, and the Heideggerian sort of thing. Like the issues of the modern world. It's just what his solutions are wrong. But maybe if you look into this, you can find you can say, Oh, I see where you went wrong, buddy. Yeah, and I mean and I've I've said it a billion times. People are far too afraid to look into the ideas of their enemies and it's only at their detriment because you don't actually understand how to criticize them. If you don't understand what the hell they're thinking. Yeah, it's very easy to just be like, oh, they're a bigot or they're this, they're that. Or that. It's like, no, you need to get to the heart of why they think these things. Even if somebody is a, like legit, if you're arguing with a racist, you don't just stop at they're a racist. You need to get into why they think the way that they think. You can't just see a bigoted idea and stop there. You need to explain to anyone and everyone that's paying attention to well, this here's why the thing. this is not a good you, idea. Well, and the thing is, if because here's the thing, too. If you tell a bigot that they're a bigot, they're going to be like, yeah, and so what? You need to get to the heart of why bigotry is a fucking bad idea and why it's bad thinking and why it's not good for them or for anybody else. We are uh, we are getting well off the mark here because there's a whole article yeah, that we haven't even touched on yet. And it's only and it, and Dugan's only relevant to the fact that Dugan took the eight pointed star and used it for his you know little Eurasianist bullshit movement. And because of that, it's the star has gained some bad press in leftist circles which is kind of interesting given that i think that the vast majority of people that are into chaos magic are leftist of some ilk yeah that's probably accurate i think most of them would be like ah, like i'm like an anarchist right and that's um that's what i feel about the person that wrote this article too although the person who wrote it says that they're not a chaos magician take of that what you will but someone posted a meme and leftist went animal on it and i don't think without good reason but this whole article is in defense of that meme it's a person in a balaclava with a fucking ak or ar i can't tell it's a fucking drawing with the chaos star in the background with this wonderful text at the bottom the anarcho-nihilist position is essentially that we are fucked that the current manifestation of human society civilization leviathan industrial society global capitalism whatever, is beyond salvation, and our response to it should be one of unmitigated hostility. There are no demands to be made, no utopic visions to be upheld, no political programs to be followed. The path of resistance is one of pure negation. And people saw that and immediately just started calling it out as being sort of fascisty, mostly because of the star. We're like, oh, that's like the fucking Eurasian Duggan star thing, right? Like, this is bullshit. What the fuck? As an ideology, I think that anarcho-nihilism, as presented in that meme, is completely incoherent. That's just my take. It just sounds like some... It sounds edgy is what it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds edgy, and it also sounds like... You know, granted, here's the problem. You take any ideology... You, you take... See, you think it, it, this ideology in, condensed <laughs> to a meme... And so on and so on. But no, for real, you take any you take any ideology and condense it down to like a couple sentences, you can probably make it seem 
by like lit literally reducing it down makes it sound reductionist shocker <laughs> but at the same time if your whole standpoint is world is fucked planet piss you know like bomb the rainforest who the you know of course you're gonna sound like an edgy child or well, you're going I to sound like a sad defeatist where it's like oh the only the only answer to this world is to like burn it down and it's like you know, then they could have actually done, a, they could have made that description even shorter where they could have said, what Life was is it? Anarcho nihilist? <laughs> yeah. Anarcho nihilist live in a society. Bottom text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the important thing for this whole thing is that people jumped on it just from seeing the fucking star. Right. And the article makes this a really big point to just talk about how we shouldn't surrender our symbols unto fascist infiltrators. And while I agree with this sentiment, I also think that it's like such a non-issue. Because first off, like that's not new. I mean, it, this article's from last year, but the fucking Eurasianist people have been using that fucking symbol since like... God knows when. I don't fucking know when that shit was founded, but I know it was well before fucking 2022. Well, here, shot in the dark, right? When did, when did fourth political theory come out? Fuck if I know. A while back. I'm looking, I'm looking it up. Fourth political theory was published in 2012. Was that when it was published or was that when it was translated into English? Oh, yeah, good point. Uh, okay, published in 2009. That means at the very least, you're talking about a, a symbol that's probably been thrown around for over 10 years. Oh, well, no, the Eurasian Party was started in fucking 2020. No, it was uh, started in 2000. The Eurasianist Party was started in fucking 2002. So it's been going on for like two decades and people are just now noticing it. I, I think maybe part of the issue comes down to chaos magic is largely the bastion of what the uk and america right yeah anglos anglos i guess well i don't know that makes it sound like <laughs> no yeah you're it's mostly the bastion of the sorry English... you said anglos and my brain just goes to like whiteies <laughs> caucasians the no, mayonnaise no. boys <laughs> the pink boys <laughs> the pink boys oh boy with their this is the pink boys method of time control. <laughs> no, but yeah, like it's it's mostly the English speaking world in the West. Bit of South America as well. Bit of South America, some of, uh, you know, little pockets throughout Europe, but mostly like Western Europe. Yeah. And I, I that's and about it's, right. And it's probably the prominence of Dugan coming into public consciousness as well. well and that's what I'm saying is that it's like the problem is it, it, it'd be a bit it's a bit like. It, it would be like if you as a Westerner got mad that over in parts of uh, the Middle East, the thumbs up is, a, is an obscene gesture where it's like, man, we can't let them have this. They've been, that's, been a, that's been a thing for longer than you. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, let it go, man. Just understand that in different circles, symbols might have different context and just be specific that if you've got a chaos star on you and somebody calls you out on it just be like no it's not that isn't the thing <laughs> you know 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, guess it's, what? Like, I hate it's to like say someone it like seeing this a swastika too, like, on a fucking Hindu yeah, temple the, and being mad. You and I are already going to the same spot where it's like, guess what? If you see a, if you go over, if you go into India and you see a swastika, they're probably not fucking Nazis. <laughs> you know, just use the just use that part of your brain that gets to hog more than two of the IQ points to figure out that different things mean different things. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, things can, things can look like things and things can sound like things, but things are not necessarily the same thing. Uh, if we, if we sell CMN shirts, we're definitely going to have one that says, you're telling me things look like things and things can sound like things. Things sound like things. Do things also look like things? <laughs> yeah. You know, the problem is I, I think I said that as just like a fuck, like just as like a whatever. I wasn't thinking about it. But now whenever I see any of those posts where it's like, this is what a microchip looks like. And this is what a city looks like from above. <laughs> my brain just goes, Wait, you mean, you, are you telling me things look like things? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I can understand it. It's it's different in a certain sense than the swastika thing just because, you know, there are there are stupid internet weirdos that are flocking in the same circles that could very well have that symbol for both of those meanings. Well I don't see us getting the, rid of the, the chaos star be over it. And I don't think that we oh, should. Well, and then the other problem too, right, is that Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. That is the age-old adage of the coyote. Are you going to be like, nothing is true. Everything is permitted except for that because I don't like it? Except for the Twitter mob yelling at me for having a star on my profile? Yeah. like those, They're very real. <laughs> well, it's like it's one of those things that I'm not saying I agree with it, but I also understand that nobody is under an obligation to agree with me morally for me to acknowledge them as a chaos magician. If that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I think most of them are shit. Yeah, I think most chaos magicians are, not only are you morally abhorrent, but you, you're dusty. <laughs> you're bad you got, at magic. You got cracked, <laughs> like you got cracked, you got cracked lips. <laughs> you, know I mean? you, know. you need to moisturize. <laughs> your mom, and your mama owes me $5. I don't, I don't know. It's like, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't have anything good to say about other chaos magicians for the, for the Except most our part. listeners, you guys are great. Yeah, you, we oh, love if you're you. Listening to this, yeah, please send us twenty five dollars <laughs> so we can uh, we can buy our Arctic we can green, get your room. Uh, Arctic green compound. Yeah, yeah, but no, for real, it's like I don't have the vast majority of chaos magicians and vast majority of occultists in general. I don't have good things to say about, but that doesn't necessarily mean I think I need to wrestle esoteric knowledge from them. Yeah, me either. It, it just seems kind of goofy and pointless. The, the idea that uh, the Eurasianist movement using this eight-pointed star is going to somehow irreparably damage chaos magic is silly. Yeah. It's, you know? I, I would reckon that there's probably just as many... No, in fact, I think that there's probably less uh, fucking Eurasianist people online than there are fucking payouts but those are both I still mean, infinitesimally small numbers yeah agreed okay but here's a i got a silly question for you now go for it 
if you had to come up with a unifying symbol for chaos magic that wasn't the star, what would it be? Um, it would be a a half smoked Marlboro uh, Light One Hundred. <laughs> I just quit smoking again, so you're a dick <laughs> for bringing that up. I'm so sorry. No, it's um, it'd be um, it's okay. It's my fault for starting smoking again. Shouldn't have done it. Yeah, it's no, it'll be um, and good job. We're super duper proud of you, all of us and the listeners. Oh, <laughs> no, I think I don't know. It's it's a hard thing. Maybe like a weird sphere with like a swirl and then another swirl, like going in different directions. Something contradictory. Oh, I thought you were describing something like you were trying to make a joke. Like you were going <laughs> to. <laughs> no, it's I like- was like, so I was sitting here trying to picture that. And it's like, what the fuck is he referencing? <laughs> no, I could see that though. I guess like something that was trying, something that would try to encapsulate the, the, the oh. contradictory nature. No, I got it. The fucking Wittgenstein bunny duck. Damn, that's actually a good one. Yeah, right? Like, you could simplify yeah. it, but Bunny Duck. Yeah, Bunny Duck should be the... Yeah. Bu- fuck the star. Let's just get Bunny Duck. That sounds awesome, because nothing, yeah. nothing's yeah. true. Everything's permitted. It's all about how you're yeah. looking at it. Yeah. Actually, I do think that... I think that is actually a very good one. Well done. What about you? You got any ideas? Uh, I think mostly Chaos Magic, if you were going... If, if you wanted to condense Chaos Magic down, and we talked about this in the first episode is that I think the good starting point is the bedrock of the notion of chaos and then the notion of Kia as the the will or the the consciousness of the practitioner, right? Mm-hmm. So I think like an if you had like an arch that symbolized the point of chaos reaching out into the center and then the point of Kia reaching out as another arch into the center. So it's like you have two points that arch up and then meet in the center and that center is gnosis. So you have like two arches. Oh, that's pretty good. Together and meeting. That's pretty good. I like yeah, that. Yeah, and then well, and then no, well, and then you meet you make them gold, right? As like the symbolic of like the philosopher's stone sort of base metals into gold. So you have like these two golden arches. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like such an idiot for not getting that quicker. <laughs> Oh my god! No, see, that's what we should do. Like you know, Royale they're going to steal our symbols. We're going to ri- steal some of them. From, we're going to steal some other ones. You can fucking have uh, the chaos well, we star. Just, we're done. Yeah, we're going to take McDonald's golden arches. <laughs> you know, here's uh, here's the little through line for this. Then we said, who believes? Who makes propaganda and who believes it? That was Don Joyce from Negative Land. Negative land was one of the big proponents of culture jamming where you take shit, (laughs) you know, you take the McDonald's golden arches and you use them to make something else. You know, you, you steal Coca-Cola's font and you make other things with it. You use everything that these large corporate entities and you juxtapose and mess with it for stuff. So like, you know, that's, I feel like that's a super chaos magic sensibility that we should get down with more. Yeah, I agree entirely. Also, R.I.P. Don Joyce. I have some of your ashes in my house somewhere. <laughs> and in the spirit of Don Joyce, I'm actually going to appropriate one of his characters to get us to the next segment. <clears throat> I'm Ronald Redball. Here's something else. <laughs> if, if you don't like CMN, I'll eat a bug. 
Oh my god. Oh. Oh man. <laughs> I used to be famous. Now I sell burgers. God damn. Oh. oh. I fucking miss damn, those guys negative. so much. Oh. Over the edge, man. Such yeah, a good show. It's such a anyway. good show. Well, anyway, that um, about wraps it up for this episode, doesn't it? Yeah, I think we're at a we're at a reasonable length for once in our goddamn lives. So let's make it a little bit longer, so it'll piss me off when I edit it. <laughs> do you want to do, do want to do an interview with a I, wizard? I do want to do an interview with a wizard question. For those of you who don't know, right. this is our segment where we take Peter Carroll's uh, interview with a wizard book, where he gets asked questions by his uh, young ward. And we go through and uh, we find a question we like and then we answer it because we have much better opinions than Peter Carroll. Sometimes they're the same opinions, but we say them better. So what do we got? God, there's actually some really good ones right now. All um, right. We'll, we'll pick one. I'll pick this one just because it seems like we can riff on this for like a minute and then just probably tie, tie the episode up in a nice little bow. This is question 89. Thoughts on cults? And Peter Carroll's answer is, I once stood up and said to a member of the IOT who suggested we form a cult of Baphomet that this is supposed to be the cult for all the people who don't want to be in a cult and got a round of applause for it. Cults depend on human suggestibility and gullibility and the need to believe in something or someone and to belong and often on the need to have something to hate and fight against. Cultism runs on a spectrum from harmless social and special interest group to murderous religious and political ideologies. The fanaticism or cynicism of cult leaders often remains unknown. Some seem to have enough self-belief for both. Wow, I love that because that's actually, you know, we always have the secret theme that ends up tying the whole episode together. And that's fucking it, ain't it? What, the how cults operate? Yeah, about how they function on this the idea overwhelming, of suggestibility yeah. and people have needing a sense to belong and, you know... All Whether it's Korean propaganda or building on Boleskine or, or fucking bringing back the good old Eurasia bullshit. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on cults? <laughs> well, my first criticism of this is that Peter Carroll... I, I, someone said something and then I said something and then everybody clapped. <laughs> then everyone clapped. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Fucking Peter. Ugh, you're better than this. But yeah, I, I, I think the vast majority of cults are, <laughs> unfortunately, they operate in the same way that virtually all sort of tribal identities do. And the only thing that makes something a cult in the typical sense of being a cult is that it's just marginal that's all it comes down to that's the only difference that's that's it that's the only difference that we have is that if you're uh david koresh at waco you're a cult if you're the the catholic church you're a church if you're, if you're heaven's gate yeah if you're heaven's gate you're a cult if you're scientology depends who you ask i guess yeah but, exactly and you know. and like i said in the but the then also it's the, it's also the difference of scientology has been around for what less than 100 years yeah you want to talk about people being good magicians by taking motherfuckers money look no further what about uh, you what do you think about cults 
I think Jack Parsons uh, really, really screwed the pooch. <laughs> That's my thought on cults. You fucked up, Jackie. Um, but no, uh, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Even going back to two episodes ago with the cult of Saturn. Oh God! The real defining the real defining aspect of of a cult is mostly fanaticism in size. Is that if you have a huge group of fanatics, <laughs> you're not a cult. You're a political movement, or you're a church, or you're a prevailing worldview and ideology. This, that, and the other. It's only when you're a small time sort of a group of fanatics that you're a cult. I think cults are as fascinating as they are scary. Mm-hmm. I think that cults, cults might be rare, but cult behavior is everywhere. And, and who makes propaganda and who believes it? And who believes it? Everybody, everybody and, and everybody. everybody. All right. For the record, that is from an over-the-edge episode called who are the big guns? And you should just listen to the intro for that. It's fascinating. It is. It is some truly fascinating shit. All right. Well, here's our palate cleanser. How goes the work? <sighs> I, was, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. Mostly. I mean, it's, the, the work is going fine. I just don't have anything particularly great. I mean, I stopped smoking, so I, I did some some minor tricks to sort of keep myself from going into a a berserker rage at nicotine withdrawals but you know it's 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 trudging along i'm i'm doing a lot of looking for inspiration and attempting to re-enchant my world i think i said something similar in the last episode but you know it's I'm, i'm doing stuff i'm keeping busy just i wish i one of these days i'm gonna have like something really radical to say but Right now, it's, it's just, it's trudging along. What about you? Oh, I'm dealing with something that is common to all of us, whether we want to act like it or not, just when failure. And I suppose it's the old thing of like, you know, you only fail when you stop trying, but there's a point where you go, I'm not going to try anymore either, because this is, if, if it's taking this much work to get this thing done, maybe I need to reevaluate what I'm actually trying to get done and why I want it done. But I'm okay. Other than that, you know, I'm still doing the things. I'm still working with the Enochian stuff again because that's just something that I haven't gone to in a while. And um, it's a, a, a deep, deep well. I hear you. For the record, there is something to be said about taking the L and taking it gracefully. Well, yeah. And I mean, especially when it's, I mean, it, it, I guess it's different when it's on your own terms as well. It's, it's not like holding out hope that this one little thing was going to happen and then it doesn't happen. So then you're just crushed. You're like, oh no, I fucked up and I'm never going to be able to fix it again. It's different when it's an overarching sort of thing where you're like seeing the trends and you're getting results. And then you, after all the work you've put into it, you're like, I can't keep doing this because it's just not working well enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes it's even like, in in the simplest terms, acknowledging that maybe I could get this to work with magic, but maybe realizing that what you wanted wasn't quite the same thing as the goal you were going for. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, that's another way of looking at it too. The important thing is just to not be disenchanted and disillusioned by failure. I think. 
learn from things. Do better. When you lose, don't lose the lesson. <laughs> His holiness, the Dalai Lama. <laughs> fail and learn to fail better. Well, and with that, this has been Chaos Magic News, the only cult that wants you to think for yourself. Now, everybody clap. Please clap. <laughs> As always, if you too are disillusioned with the overall state of the occult community, you can fix it by developing a parasocial relationship with two chattering, <laughs> nonsense spouting assholes <laughs> at chaosmagicnews.com. That's you can right. also find us on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram at Chaos Magic News. And please check out our main site, chaosmagicnews.com, where we've got articles, interviews, links to the podcast, and whatever else we feel like throwing up that week. Mr. Gray with an A, would you like the last word? No, I would not. That, that's not how this works. You don't get to say no. <laughs> All right, everybody, we'll see you next time. Suck my fucking dick, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You always say something like, bye-bye, thanks for listening. Where it's like, hey, bro, you give get fucked. Now that you're done listening to this podcast, I hope you get hit by a truck. <laughs>